All right, good morning, good morning, River City family. Good morning to everyone here. We are so happy to be worshiping with you. And if you're tuning in or it's your very first time, we're glad that you are joining us this morning. We'd love to give you a proper greeting. So if you want to leave your name in the comment section, we will love you all that way. So today we're going to get started and we're going to jump into our psalm. We like to read from the lectionary here, and it works through the path, it works through the Bible in three years. So on Sundays, we read a psalm, and it connects us with the universal church. Everyone will be reading the same psalm this morning, and it's a sense of connectedness that we really love about reading the lectionary. This morning's psalm is called a Psalm of Sabbath, and it's the only one entitled so, so it's meant to be sung corporately and in worship settings. And so it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hand, I sing for joy. And the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So God, this morning, we just position our hearts in joy. That you are a God that is present, that your eye is always on us, that you are still pouring your spirit and investing in us all the days of our life. God, we thank you that we can't be too young or too old to sit in the heart of your blessings that you give us a name and a purpose, that you invite us into what you're doing. And so this morning, God, we just lay everything at your feet. The crazy weeks we've had, the crazy mornings. God, we just leave it all at the altar and we pick up your peace and your joy Thank you for being a God to take care of it all so we don't have to. And we love you and we worship you this morning. And in your name we pray. Amen. As we transition into prayers of the people, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I just want to extend an invite for you guys to participate in praise of the people a little differently. And so after each kind of snippet, there's going to be an opportunity, a pause, an intentional pause for us to corporately pray together. And for some people that might mean quietly and in their hearts and from for some others that might be loud for our community to hear but I invite you whatever that means for you I invite you to participate and intercede with us together and corporately 
the prayers of this people matter to the prayers of the people we're praying for. The prayers of this community matter and are heard and join in with the angels around the throne. They are not wasted and they are not unheard. They are heard by the one that matters. We pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. Pray for Steve Austin, who's a former youth pastor in Alabama that was found dead in his car. And I was reading about his story and who Steve Austin was. I felt compelled actually to expand this time of prayer to go towards all people in ministry and in mental health with their mental health. It is an ongoing, ever-present, increasing need that we are intentionally praying for those in ministry and in their mental health and what they're battling for. So we're gonna pray specifically for Steve Austin and for those impacted by his death, but we are also going to intercede for the next 30 seconds for the mental health, for the spiritual health of those in ministry who feel a call to ministry nationally and internationally. for Steve Austin and we pray for all of the youth, the church and the family that are impacted by his loss. Pray that you and your spirit would comfort them and love on them in every way that they need that you would hold them up and that you would surround community to hold them up. And we pray for those who are called to ministry especially on a Sunday where this is a day of work God, would they know this morning, would they be spurred on by the encouragement of their community that they are seen and loved and not called to a life of perfection, that they would not bear the weight of needing to have all the answers or to do all the things right, that they would feel freedom and permission in their own communities to simply be them. Would your light break through in the darkest of darkest places of their hearts that they feel have to be hidden? Would you bring supernatural healing and freedom to them? May we never forget to pray for our leaders and our pastors, both in our local communities and abroad. Bless them, bless their families. We pray for the world and all those in it, and we pray for those in Austin, Texas. As there was another shooting, there were had 14 injured, and two of them are still pretty critical at the moment. 
It's pretty devastating to the Austin community. And so we just wanna take a moment and we wanna pray and join in with them as the body of Christ. victims, the 12 that were directly impacted and the two that are still in critical condition. God, would you bring healing to their physical bodies? And we pray for every onlooker, for every bystander, and for anybody somehow involved in this tragedy that has experienced this trauma. God, would you surround them as they try and make sense of something that really is just chaos as they grapple what is true or not true, what is dark and what is light, God, would you intervene and would you remind them and love on them? And if they don't know you, may they come to know you by the overwhelming presence of you in their homes and in their rooms and by the people around them. May people respond with love and care, intentionality for them. May they know that they don't just have to move on May they have permission by the people around them to process through this, give them support and resources that they need. Be with our politicians really across the U.S. as violence specifically, gun violence is, is rising as we exit the pandemic. Would you give our political people in power, would you just give them a supernatural wisdom to make a decision or laws that need to be changed or amended? Would you just give them a supernatural wisdom? And may we extend grace where grace is needing to be extended. And we pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We're gonna pray specifically for three things for River City. The first two things that we're gonna pray for is we're gonna be starting to have conversations with our landlord. And this is logistical as it may sound, but it, it has implications that matter for who we can be to the city of Smyrna, the expansion that we can have in loving Smyrna well, and so we are inviting you guys to pray with us as we begin conversations with our landlord of what does it look like for us to stay here and to plant our roots even deeper, that that would be, there would just be favor and open doors that we would get all the yeses that we, that we want, which sounds selfish, but it's not. <laughs> we want the yeses that we want and we want it for the good of our community. And so would you pray for us as we have those conversations and also pray for us as we are just asking for vision from the Lord of what youth ministry looks like starting in August. We won't want to presume that we know, 
Maybe we're not just praying for the right leader, but maybe God is inviting us into getting really creative and rethinking what has been and that he has an even better an even more creative idea. We want his ideas. We want his people and we want his ideas and we don't wanna be presumptuous to say that we know them already. And so for the next little bit, if we would pray specifically for those two things that our leaders are having to really be intentional about over the next couple of weeks. we're going to pray for is for Stacy and Luke, Wills, and their son, Asher, and their daughter, Ivy. Um, Luke is actually here, which I didn't see. So you could extend your hands to Luke. Stacy is currently in the hospital, and they're working all their medical <laughs> geniuses to keep this baby safe in her body to grow and develop for as many weeks as possible. And so she's at about to be about 22 weeks. And we are praying for a full grown, healthy, well-developed, strong lungs. We don't want the bare minimum of 25 or 28 weeks, we want a full-blown, healthy, grown baby boy. And so God, we just surround Luke as he's here and Ivy and Stacy and Asher. And what we know to be true is that you are sustainer of life and you are capable of providing for every member of this family and what their needs are specifically. Not just the health of Asher, but the protection and peace for Ivy. You are big enough to hold the heaviness that Luke feels in not being able to solve and fix it all. And you are capable of holding the worries and the fears and uncertainties of Stacy as she's in the hospital. You reign above all of that. You are a good father to all four of them. And what an honor and a privilege it is for River City to be able to walk alongside them in so much uncertainty. May they know that they are not alone. May they know every room they enter into and every doctor that they talk with, that you are with them and you will not be leaving them. So we just pray supernatural peace over their family. We pray for discernment for the doctors to know what is best for them and for Asher. And we just speak life to Asher. We speak life to Asher and we speak healing to Stacy's body, that it would come into agreement with the spirit and do what exactly what you have created her body to do in this moment. 
He is a gift and He is a blessing. And we will continue to stand with and in agreement with what you say is true. And we thank you and we cannot wait to celebrate the life and the, the birth of this baby for in several months. And may He know that He is well loved. May He come out of the womb knowing your voice and your love and that He is loved by community. May that be what his life is marked by. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I am going to do my best to share briefly this morning because we're going to have a few of our wise counsel talk for a moment and then we're going to have a reception right after in the lobby for anybody who just wants to peruse and have some snacks and bless our wise counsel. But I do want to continue honoring where I believe God is leading our body right now because it's really important. Um, quick word, yesterday I did a wedding for Christy and Mark who are now married. Many of you don't know them yet, but they're a part of our community now. They're awesome. So that was awesome at the Smyrna Old Firehouse. If you have not been there, it is unreal. It's right there, and it's one of my favorite facilities I've ever done something in. And then we met with some missionaries that we support as a body, and we have for a long time, Kate and, that's what I was going to say, Andrew. That's who I, that's the name I was going to say. So they're moving to Turkey in about seven months, and something happened when I was meeting with them. I can only say that I felt like the Spirit of God was like, I actually stopped and looked at Sarah, and I was like, I, I don't even know how to explain what I'm experiencing right now, but it felt like kinship with God. It felt like a stirring. It felt like a rumbling. It felt bigger than I could put into words. It still does, but they carry to me, as this young couple, this heart to pray, listen, and then be obedient in the most radical kind of ways. So their whole framework is to move into the city that they're moving to and just start a prayer room and start to love their community well in a slow discipleship process. There's possibly opportunities for our body to pray, support, and even go encourage them in a season to come. But I felt significantly moved that God was saying to me through them that this is the kind of thing, this kind of radical commitment and connection with God and growth that God is going to start doing in our church. I felt that bigger than I can even talk about. And I think a lot of it has to do with what we're walking through right now. Last week we talked about we're going on a journey with Jesus of apprenticeship to Jesus. That's kind of broad. But the idea is for you to wrestle over the next few weeks with where are you? Where have you come from? What are the invitations for you right now? And so when we start to talk like that, a couple things happen. Number one, we don't really interact with our Christianity like it's a journey or like it's connected. A lot of times I think we actually interact with our Christianity almost like it's a membership. Like if you haven't been to the gym in a couple months, and you're like, am I still a member? Do I still, like you show up and you're like, can I come in? And like, well, you still, gotta, you still have to pay all your back tithes. What? No, stop it. Stop that. But we, we interact with it almost as like it's disconnected. Like there'll be a thing here that God does, but it's not really connected to this thing here he did two years ago. And I remember when I was a kid, this thing happened, but how does that impact what's happening now? When you're on a journey, every part is significant because all parts of that journey are going somewhere, right? Any real journey, right? Like you're going to go 
travel Europe on a train. Sarah did that when she was in college. She did a semester at Cambridge. There was a start, a group, a traveling. They knew what cities they were going in. They knew what hostels they were staying in. They knew where they would pray. They knew where they would do things like not praying and maybe trying out some things that maybe they shouldn't have. Who knows? (laughs) Things that come with a journey, right? All of it was moving towards something. What if we approach Christianity in a way that is almost like God had a purpose for the whole thing? And so each part matters. So listening at each moment matters. Understanding where you started, how it's going, where you're going matters. Instead of just, ooh, that looks awesome, I'll do that. And ooh, that looks awesome, I'll do that. And ooh, I like this, but don't like that. And just kind of this collection of things that end up being like, I don't really know how my spiritual journey's been, but I know what I've done with my work. Right, so here's, here's another way to say it. If you're more certain about your work life journey, if you're more certain about your relationship connectedness journey than you are about your spiritual journey, those other journeys will be out of place. They have to, they have to be informed by the most important journey, which is your journey to, to life with God, becoming like God, and growing an apprenticeship to Jesus. That informs all of them. But that's not really the case with most of us, right? We come to church, we hear hopefully an amazing sermon not here maybe, but in a lot of places. We listen to incredibly gifted people lead us in worship. We love people well. We go home, we watch the Falcons, we watch Atlanta United, the Braves, Hawks. That's just what I do. We go play games in the field, whatever. Our kids go to school, they go to their 72 sports. I'm just venting about our life at this point, I think. But what if there's an invitation into something more meaningful, where all parts matter and where each thing happened before goes into the next? That's the spiritual walk with Jesus. And so I want to read you a quote I read you last week from Practicing the Way, which has been a really informative, great website, great ministry for us. It talks about apprenticeship to Jesus as a journey. So I'm going to read it to you. Apprenticeship to Jesus is a journey from immaturity to maturity, from wounding to healing, from false self to true, But if following Jesus is a journey, is there a map or landmarks by which we can navigate? Have those who've gone before us left behind their thoughts on how to stay the course, avoid detours, and chart our progress? All journeys are different, but all journeys are similar. I love that statement. To name your stage of apprenticeship to Jesus and your season of life is to better recognize God's invitations for you in each and every day. And now I want to read you from Luke. If you guys can open up your Bibles, if you have them. If you do not, you can follow along with me. And this is 9, verses 57 through 62. I'm reading it in ESV and in the message. I'm going to start with the ESV. It says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Awesome. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now I want to read it in the message because it's a little less punching in the face. And I want to demystify right after I say this what I think is being said without not saying what Scripture is saying. This is the message. On the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Jesus said to another, follow me, he said. 
Certainly, but first, excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangement for my father's funeral. Seems reasonable. Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death. Boom! Drop the hammer and leave. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. But first, excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. And Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day or... We all learn that from a movie, I suppose, maybe. So here's what, I, here's what I think is being said. This is to be less received like you're getting punched in the face because you idiot follow me, and more to be received as if he understands what the journey with him embodies, and that is just too good to pass up for something small that would keep you from doing what he's called you because all of us have one of those excuses. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will journey with Jesus, but first, let me find a spouse. Yes, I will journey with Jesus, but first, let me get that next job I want. Yes, I will journey with Jesus, but let me just live this season in peace, not having to interact with where I'm at. There's always a reason to not step into the journey. But what if the journey is where the beauty and health happen? What if it's not just get in line, idiot, and it's more like you have life now, not death? And this is where the life is. And this is when you start to actually live out of abundance. It's worth more than any of those things. It's worth more than finding a spouse. It's worth more than the next good job. It's worth more than any of those things to follow me now. His invitation is always follow me now. Not because you're an idiot, but because he loves so deeply. I can't see you, Luke, go any longer without having access to all that I have to give you. I can't see you, Kara, travel any farther down the road, even if you're having to bury someone in your family without having all that I have to give you. I can't see you do this life without me anymore. What if it's like that? What if the journey is actually what we've always longed for? Still hard in a lot of ways, for sure, right? Like the children of Israel, like we talked about, they leave slavery, they head into the wilderness. God starts to produce food from the sky, as he does, they don't like it. If, if food starts falling to the earth this week, that would be amazing. And we would also complain. Are we just going to get the same stuff every day, God? Like, there's a Moe's right there. And he'd be like, no, this is way better than Moe's. And we'd be like, you're right. But there is a steakhouse down the road. They start to complain because the new trajectory takes them out of what they were connected to, and he's trying to retrain their appetites into things that will actually feed their soul, leading them to the promised land. The journey with Jesus is similar. As you step in, which all of you will this year, I believe it, in faith, I'm believing all of you will step in to an actual journey with Jesus, and you will instantly hit some walls, some walls that say, this is probably not what you thought. Some walls that say, actually, that thing that you're connected to is destroying you, even though you think it's what's giving you meaning. That's what the journey with Jesus looks like. It starts to feel like life and health from the inside out, not from the outside in. This is the journey with Jesus. And so I want to pray, and then I'm going to share a couple things. Jesus, I believe that you are present. So we invite your Holy Spirit into this room right now. Holy Spirit, have access to our hearts, our imaginations, our minds, our thoughts, 
our bodies, our community. We also believe, Jesus, that you speak. We understand you as shepherds speaking to your children, so we ask you to speak today. Speak to individual hearts and minds right now. Permeate through just thought into the depth of being, though, God. Let your spirit pierce us in ways that invite us in. If we set up walls, tear them down. Come through them, God. If we hear voices of cynicism, speak over them. We ask you to silence the voice of the critic within our own hearts and minds and reconstruct all that is good about being a part of your body and your children today. Also, God, as we do this service, help us to not worship any part of service. Help us to not worship prayers of the people or even worship worship, but what those things are leading us to, being and abiding in you. All these parts of this service, from greeting to scripture to prayers to intercession to worship through song are all avenues and doorways into being with you. But let us not stop at those doors enamored by the doors. Let us walk through those doors to be with you so that we can become like you and do what you did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just a reminder, I had a conversation with David a couple weeks ago. Where's David? It's right over there. That's David. And... He was talking about his ministry at Georgia Tech, and we had a conversation. I thought three things really jumped out. One was, if you were going to start something there, what would you do? And I felt like in our conversation, we came up with three things. It was, you need to know where people have been in their journey. People just need to know that about one another. You need to know what's happened with Christ. Are there, have there been awakenings or taste and see moments? And then you need to know what the invitations are for the next. And you can pull this slide up. These are the things I just told you. Your journey, the journey to where you are will say so much about understanding what you need to do with the next parts of your life. Your awakening experiences, which you'll hear more about in a minute, how has Jesus personally touched you where it's become real? Those stories matter to you and your community. And what are the specific invitations right now? A quick word about people not wanting to know where they're at. As a pastor for the past few years, one of the things I've recognized the most is that you would think people would want to know where they are personally, but many people do not want to interact with where they're actually at. They just want to travel through it. There's a lot of reasons for that. Pain, uncertainty, insecurity, comparison. There's a lot of things that people are doing to not have to interact with that. But as you start to look at these things, you start to land in spaces where, here's where I actually am. I'm, I'm pretty insecure. I'm comparing a lot, right? I'm speaking in, in relationship to myself and to others. So this is revealing for me. I'm realizing that as I'm speaking. Um, I am secure, insecure a lot. I compare a lot. Um, I see other people doing well, and I instantly think, I don't like them. <laughs> and then I think, that's probably selfish and insecure and not healthy. And then I think, well, that must mean I'm unhealthy in this area. Why? And I literally always do my best to say, why would I feel like that instead of just letting myself live there? Well, and it usually lands in places you want to run from. Well you don't feel confident about where you are with God because you've been avoiding him. You've just been living on calling that somebody said years ago, but you haven't sat to be intimate with Jesus to hear him say what is happening for today. Those are the kind of things that starts to happen when you want to be present with God. Even, your, even the things that surface that feel the most painful or something underneath them is usually an invitation to be with Jesus that he's ready for even if we're not. So I think that's beautiful. So these three things. So I wanted to just do this in this room. Because many of us, not like the Israelites, don't know where each other came from. We don't know each other's story and journey. And when we start to 
overlay our journeys together, we start to grow together. And so I'm going to do a couple things, and you're just going to have to roll with me on, okay? And I want you to use your bodies in this. <laughs> so, and some of you are like, I didn't come to church to use my body. I came to church to listen and fall asleep while you preached. So if you are under the age of 36, raise your hand. Look around. If you are over the age of 36, raise your hand. Yes, sir. All right, if you have been following Jesus for more than 20 years, raise your hand. Okay? More than 40 years, raise your hand. And then there were six. (laughs) More than 50 years, raise your hand. And then there were two, three. More than a hundred years. Good job, Alex. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next thing, real quick. So, mountains or ocean? If you like the mountains more than the ocean, raise your hand. Everybody else just needs to go home. Just kidding. If you like the ocean more than the mountains, raise your hand. If you'd like a combo, raise your hand. Hello. Hawaii. Okay, next one. Friends, office, or parks and rec? If you're a friends person, raise your hand. If you're an office person, raise your hand. If you're a parks and rec person, raise your hand. If you don't care, raise your hand. Very nice. That was what I anticipated. All right, next thing. If you are an extrovert, raise your hand. Actually, stand up if you're an extrovert. You know you wanted to. All the experts were like, yes, we should be standing up for everything. All right, introverts, just look at them and don't clap. You can sit now. Drew, sit. Thank you, sir. That's hilarious. If you are an introvert, stay seated. That's what you wanted, right? That's what you wanted. All right, I got a couple more and then we got to move on, but this is something. All right, so if you... Like books more than movies, stand up. You can do half. If you like movies more than books, stand up. Movies more than books. Okay. All right. Really? I knew you. You guys can sit down now. And the book people would be like, well, the books are better because they have more depth. And all the movie people are like, that's why they created movies so we didn't have to read the book. <laughs> they created a movie because books are not as interesting. Just, I'm, that's not me. That's what some of these guys would say for sure. All right. So it's important to understand that in this community, as we become comfortable with one another, we start to learn things about our past. So those are the positive things. There are things like who here has experienced loss? Who here has experienced depression deeply recently? Who here is dealing with immense insecurity right now in life? Who here is battling a sickness, right? We're not standing now, but these are the kinds of things that as we come together as a community and start to overlay our stories matter. Because if we have a connection, if I know that Jordan and I 
have been walking through a group together and that we have similar insecurities, when I start to hear the voice of God, start to sense the voice of God, it starts to become communal in our body. So as we know one another, better than just showing up on a Sunday and checking, checking to see if we're still members, checking to see if we still get in, if we start to know each other's journey in such a way to hear the invitations as a community, it makes a huge difference makes a huge difference for us. So is there a map in just a few minutes or just a few moments on what stage theory is? I didn't share this last week. Really quickly, I'm gonna give you a, a definition of stage theory. Elements and systems move through a pattern of distinct stages over time, and these stages can be described based on their distinguishing characteristics. So stage theory is a way to map out the spiritual journey. Stage theory is something that helps you to see where you might be on this specific journey. So for me, the one that I've liked the most, and there's quite a few, you don't have to pull up the quite a few ones, is something called the three ways, which I shared with you last year. And we started studying this as a group, and we started to ask questions about how to, how to have invitations into this. And this is the one that came up to us. But I want to give you five disclaimers about stage theory. So stage theory, it's a theory. It's not a science. It's not scripture. It's not right after John. It's not right before 1 Corinthians. It is a collection of people throughout history that have tried to map the spiritual journey. So it's a theory. It's like the Enneagram. It's like Myers-Briggs. It's like all of those things that help you but don't necessarily define you. Number two, it's not linear. It's not once you're at stage one, you move to stage two. Stage theory is more like an upward spiral. And an upward spiral, this is one of my favorite things about the definition, is it kind of does this. So it goes up and down. There's times when you feel like you're here. And then there's times when you feel like you're kind of excelling. And then there's times you feel like you kind of regressed. But it's an upward spiral. Somebody actually said in the conversation that John Mark Comer had that it's almost like Monopoly going around the board time and time again, accruing property, losing property, going to jail, getting out of jail. Many of your stories are similar, right? So number three it can be applied to your whole life or parts of your life. Number four, you can actually check out at any time. Stop growth. You can stop growth. People historically have called that backsliding. I don't necessarily love that word. I heard it many times as a teenager. Many, many times. Many, many times. So, and then the last thing is it's slow, not fast. So in the Christian journey and the walk is also slow, not fast. Slow is good. I like the thought of Jesus walking. I can't picture him driving around in a car around Jerusalem. He'd be like, wait, what's up, dudes? No, he's like walking and interacting with every moment, every tree, even the trees he looks at, and he's like, tree grow or tree die. Walk up to a person, oh, you need to be healed? Step into that pool. Everything for him happened real time. Extravagant, fascinating, huge, awesome things happened, but he was moving at a pace that was natural to actual life, right? He wasn't trying to warp through time. Three years with disciples. All of the disciples were annoyed at the speed. Jesus wasn't. Jesus was pacing them, right? It's slow. So the walk is slow and stage theory is slow. So I want to read you just a little bit about this stage theory. This is going to be too much. I'm going to go too quick, but at least it'll be helpful. So the three ways you can pull up this diagram is based on three phases with a pre-stage. So the first stage, and I would just recommend taking a quick look at that, awakening, purgation, illumination, union. I would not dive into the rest yet. I would just kind of follow along with what I'm saying. Now, we'll make this available on the prayer wall as well. 
So the awakening stage is the stage where you come alive to the idea that there is a God. So awakening is, oh my goodness, there's more to this life than me just living it out and traveling till I die. The idea that you are not alone, there is more, and your, your eyes are opened in an awakening stage. It's a pre-stage. And in this stage, you see, oh my gosh, there is more. You're not necessarily a follower of Jesus yet, but you begin to sense God and reality. Stage one now, pre-stage was that. Stage one is called purgation. This is where you become a follower of Christ. This first stage is I will follow you. You take in the teaching of Jesus. You start to understand in your mind. You start to hear over and over again the different things. A lot of people like to use scripture memorization in this stage. The spiritual disciplines and practices in a healthy growth start happening here. You'll hear in a minute, this is not where this happened for me. The spiritual disciplines are worship, prayer, community, uh, all these things that we do together, what we've been doing in this room today. You experience God all around you in stage one purgation. And you start to, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, and you start to bump into sin. Everyone say sin. Say it louder. You don't want to talk about this. It's okay. We're going to talk about it. There are four sub-stages in this. Okay, so just do your best to stay with me over the next few weeks. You'll hear more about this. But the four sub-stages as you get into purgation, when you start to bump into this idea, there are things that are actually hindering my life as a human and the people around me. The first one is gross sins. Everybody say gross. This means large, not you. It, but I guess I'm, I'm guessing some of that can happen too. It could be you. But a lot of times you hear in this stage, this gross sin stage, the idea of people's testimonies come out. These large things. I was, a, I was, you know, I was an alcoholic or I was, you know, I shot somebody in the foot. You know, I, I was in jail. I, I, did, I was a drug dealer. This is like the testimonial portion of the kind of purgation that happens. But in this stage, you start to step into what Galatians 5 talks about as the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. These are those things. Once you pass through those things, which can still crop back up, you step into conscious sins. Conscious sins are those sins that are considered completely fine in culture and even in the church, but you probably start to understand these are not actually in agreement with Jesus. This would be things like um, materialism, uh, sexuality comes into play here, right? In our, our culture, we would say, you know, sexual expression is good. Travel around and make sure you experiment. That would be good. In the kingdom of God and in Jesus' culture, you understand that's not actually what is best. Like, that's not what is being said by, by Jesus. Materialism, that's even thriving in the church. Like, there's many churches built around the idea of getting more money and getting more stuff and growing and having a bigger building, but you start to see when you bump into Jesus, that's not necessarily what he was living in the Gospels, right? Like, you're going to follow me on this road, and we're not going to stay at the best ends, according to Eugene Peterson's message version, right? I like that. That's good. So the next one after conscious sins, as you kind of travel deeper, is the unconscious sins. These are invisible, living beneath the surface. They're sins of commission and omission, which means they're sins that you do, but also sins that you do nothing about. So it could be sitting in a business setting, and two coworkers are being racist, as they can be, and people are experiencing racism, and you have a voice to say something, and you don't. That would be a sin of commission, to just allow it to happen. That's not, it's not my, it's not, I'm a Christian, but that's not my deal, right? Like, 
Sins of commission and omission start to come into play. But these are the deeper things that are happening underneath the surface. There's motives involved for this. Anger, bitterness, resentment, things that people can't even see that you're struggling with. This is the, the, the layer of sinfulness that takes the longest for us to travel through because it's so hidden. Like you can, you can look like the nicest person in the world while hating every person you come in contact with, right? takes a, a while to commit to saying, Jesus, I need you to purge me of these things, which is actually being seared out of you, being burned out of you. And so the last one, the last thing you get to are things called trust structures. And this, I think, hits home with us. These are things that you build your life and base your life around, and they actually provide for you what God should provide for you, and they can actually be good things like Uh, If my spouse, like my source is my spouse, or it could be your job, or it could be your bank account. Like, really, I love God, but if you take away my bank account, then your world gets shaken up. These are the structures in which, as you travel through and God cleanses and heals you, start to not be the idols of your heart, and Jesus starts to take the place. But it takes time, and this can happen throughout all the stages. So, illumination is the next one. So that's awakening, purgation with its substations. Illumination is you begin to have the mind of Christ in this stage. You begin to live in harmony with God's will and you sense not is God around you in here, but God is with you now. You start to say, God is with me. You start to sense God is with me. It's different. This has become part of my character and nature. It's not just out there. Now it's in here. And illumination is typically, historically, where most people end. Most people don't travel all the way through union. Most people don't, a lot of people don't live long enough to, or they stop because it becomes difficult to live in that way. The last one is union. It's called the perfect or mature. That word does not mean perfect. There is still sinfulness, but in this phase of your Christianity, it's actually the exception and not the rule. Uh, they explain it on the on practicing the way, like you start to actually look more like in Galatians 5, the fruits, but not because you're just making yourself, you're not just gritting your teeth to do peace. It's just part of how you're living. And now God has gone from out there to with you to now you, he is in you. It's in you. It's the idea of abiding. Everyone say abiding. The John 15 idea of abiding in Jesus, a constant flow of consciousness openness to God and you throughout your entire day. Pray without ceasing becomes not a task. It would be a joy to live in harmony with God, always aware of God's peace and presence, living in such a way where you embody this. And the end goal of all stage theory, but even this one, is to abide in God and to incarnate his love to the world. So all of these things are working towards, moving towards, abiding in God. I've dropped my pen a hundred times. Sorry if I hit you. <laughs> so so just, just a few words about myself. The reason I think this is helpful. Thank you. Is that Justin? <laughs> Welcome to River City. That is actually probably just a good definition of us right there. Was that, was that you or him or you? Okay, cool. Awesome. Just a few quick words and then we're going to let, let some testimonies happen and we're going to be at peace while that happens. I needed to see a map of this because I needed to see that right in the beginning of my journey, I did not take time for the things that actually foster connection and intimacy with Jesus. It wasn't just finding a worship night for me. It wasn't just because I was doing that. It wasn't just going to a spiritual conference because I was doing that. I needed to see somebody embody what a day looked like as a Christian, 
what a week looked like as a Christian, what it looked like to make a decision as a Christian, right? Just that alone is shocking how many of us don't know how to actually make a decision. I'm not talking about all the 20-somethings. Even the 40 and 50-somethings still don't know how to make a decision with involving God, going at the slow pace, not just getting what we want, but doing a wise thing, right? I was shocked that in the whole first portion of my Christian walk, it was about finding a stage and being celebrated for doing that and figuring out how to hone in my conversation and preaching, not even having depth. I I mean, for most of us, you don't really have to have the character of Jesus to start this walk, to become even a professional Christian, So how many of us have actually experienced what it looks like to sit with somebody sitting by a river and and being at peace and reading the scriptures together for an afternoon? Not to start a Bible study, not to go be a pastor, but just to grow in God. I was shocked at all the early stages of my Christianity involved no nurture, no intimacy. It was just production, production, production. I was given stages at big churches No growth on the inside. This is why we have so many people in ministry so far along that end up not living out the rest of their life for Jesus because they were not discipled. They don't know how to disciple. They don't know how to grow in God. They don't know how to, to, to have commune with God in a way that actually produces health. This first stage is where I believe a lot of us have missed what it means to go at the pace of Jesus. So I needed to see that to hear the invitations for Jesus for me. Josh, stop preparing messages. Go sit by a river. Stop Comparing yourself to megachurches, that's not even what this is about. Go be with me. Read the scriptures slowly, small chunks, two verses. Chew on it all day. Sit and worship. Meet one person that loves Jesus and start conversations with them where you're not discipling them, but you're just sharing, just growing together. These things that would have been a part of the early church that are definitely meant to be a part are the invitations for us now. That's why many of you are feeling depleted on the inside, feeling burnout. What do I do next with my life? And God's like, you haven't done the first stuff. First things first, right? You do all that later. First things first. Be with me. Be with me. Be with me. If you can't be with your father in community, you cannot grow as a Christian. If you feel like you've got the loophole, you're probably on your way to starting a cult. (laughs) Just came out. I probably shouldn't have said that, but... But those loophole things end up being weird communities that are doing weird stuff. The pace of Jesus looks like care and compassion from people who are full of care and compassion, who have been cared for and compassionated for, who have given themselves space to be with Jesus in a way that he can do those things to them, not just so they can do things they aren't even experiencing. I don't know how many sermons I preached on grace without truly believing that it was for me. Still gauging on whether or not I was a Christian on how many people thought what I did was good, not on the fact that you don't have to do any of that. Sit with me, Josh. I love you. You're my beloved. Let me me grow you in a way that's actually healthy, right? Be planted next to streams of living water. I was like planted in the desert, just killing it, just killing it for all those dead things. I was just a dead thing, speaking of dead things. Nobody's getting, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm gonna shut up. All right, so so a few things for you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to provide some opportunities for you to share and have conversations with some people here. Do not not come to church because you might have to talk to somebody. In fact, if you just thought to yourself, I ain't coming to church, you're the one who needs to be here most. And I'm, I'm being serious. You found yourself in a rhythm that does not need community, and it's not going to be sustainable. You have to start to share story, to share your Christ experiences, to hear the invitations together. That's when God starts doing really good stuff. 
So we're going to give you some opportunities over the next few weeks. This week, though, and you can pull up the homework. Again, I'm giving you homework. It's what it is. With a group or some friends, discuss which stay best describes where you are. I don't even understand what you just did. I'm going to put it online, all right? You at least understand that that first stage is called awakening. That's where you come alive to Jesus. You get that. Like, all of you get that, right? Do you feel stuck in your walk? If it's your spouse, call somebody on the phone, set up a coffee. Who in here likes coffee better than tea? Raise your hand. Look around. Look around. Who in here likes tea better than coffee? Look around. You got coffee dates. You got tea dates. Make a step, right? Don't just do it on your own. Don't just truck away in your Christianity. I'm just going to truck through this life in my No, don't do that. Stop. Be present with Jesus. Hear his invitations. The reason you don't want to hear his invitations is because you know you're doing the wrong thing. It's not producing life. It's producing death. If you don't want to hear his invitations, you're saying, I'm agreeing with this death life that's not producing anything. Why? What is it? What's, what's the benefit of that? Go at a slow enough rhythm where he can speak and say, you already know you're dying on the inside. Can we do something about this? So good. And then the last, there's some resources I want to give to you. You can take a picture with your phones. You can pull this one up too. Practicing the way. You've heard a lot about this. Um, it's a great website. It's got all kinds of stuff you can interact with. Two books for understanding where you are. Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland and Sacrifice, Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser. And the second one is really for those people who find themselves in the middle parts of their life, 30s to beyond, really helpful for you to understand how to make decisions, where you're at. So those are just really good first steps to you moving forward as we start to do these things. But be prepared to come into community in the next few weeks and really interact with what's happening with the body and with you. And so um, the last thing I want to do is talk about how each community also has a journey. And just like you have a specific journey of your own, each community has a trajectory. And our trajectory has been, we've been around for seven years, and all throughout that time, we've had people that have served. And especially for the Wise Council, because you guys don't see this community of people, this group of people serves behind the scenes, but in a lot of scenarios, have actually served as much or more than staff that you always see. So when I share with you some of the people sharing today, they've served on this Wise Council for years, really some of them since the beginning almost, they have been in meetings for hours at weeks. They have been the people that we've shared with when people are doing crazy stuff in the church. When we need to make big decisions, these are the people that we're praying together. When there has to be staff additions or sometimes when you have to make hard decisions with staff, these are the people we're praying with and they're always walking with me. And so I wanna say to the people that we're about to invite up, I want to say thank you, first of all, because like in Joshua 4, it's been like God has given stones for us to remember, and you all add a certain perspective that I think is incredibly important, and it's important for our body to honor those people that have served us well. Does that make sense to everyone? So when you, when you get out there in a little bit, there'll be cards you can write to them that Shannon set up. Um, but for a moment, I want to give them each a, a, a chance to share specifically what, what they've seen God do here, their desires, what they'd like to see God do in the future. And so these three people will be Leslie, Alex, and Alita. And I don't really care who goes first. And so if you guys want to arm wrestle or you want to, okay, do you want to go first, Alita? You seem like you'd want to go first. Love being voluntold. Um, 
Okay, so there were three questions. I think the, what, tell me what the questions were again. Yep. <laughs> you sent them to me, hang on. Um, okay, first question was um, what you saw God do while you on wise counsel. Um, I'm a very forward-thinking person, so I don't, I do spend time in reflection in order to learn from it and move forward. So I struggle with looking back and thinking all of the milestones. So it's a good habit for me to have to stop and recognize what God has done along the journey. And I love that Josh started with talking about how wise counsel does so much behind the scenes that you don't get to see. And we just jumped in and did. So it was hard to figure out like, okay, what all has happened since we've been in it. But it's been really cool to see how God knitted us together in unity um, for a group of people who are very strong-willed and business-minded and really focused on strong opinions with what the Lord is saying, we all moved in unity, which I think is profound. We all come from extreme diverse backgrounds and different walks in life and different stages in life, and we all still moved in unity, which I think is a model for what God is calling us to in so many ways. Um, and I think ultimately God gave us a... A foundation. Like I feel like in the beginning stages of church growth, he helped us walk through how to navigate a pandemic, how to create space that could be used for rentals at the at the table, and how to figure out where we're going to land. Are we going to stay here? Are we going to try to move? Are we going to try to buy? What are we going to do? Um, and I feel like the Lord faithfully navigated us through that season. So um, the next question was... Um, what are you dreaming and praying for RCC in the next season? So I wrote this just because I didn't want to miss it. But um, when we were praying last year for where we were going in the next season and what was going to happen, this is mid-pandemic. This is like trying to figure out when are we going to gather again? What's this going to look like? What's the safest thing to do for our body? Do we? How do we navigate the next steps? We all entered this real intense season of prayer on our faces, really seeking the Lord for every single step. And in that time, God gave me a very clear image of RCC as a train lifting up off the tracks, being led with spiritual authority that we as a church were going to follow the Holy Spirit in a way that distinctly sets us apart. Each train car represented a month, a timeline, and that actually ended up being what we followed when I went back and looked at it. Um, in, when you when you are dreaming or when there's a vision from God, a lot of times the symbolism, like a large locomotive, represents a movement or a move of God. And so in this part of it, God was birthing something new. Not long after that, discipleship was on the heart of many. Josh started getting downloads about discipleship and later started this guy's discipleship group with content that was birthed out of that prayer time, out of his prayer time. And that content is now becoming this catalyst for what God is doing moving forward. We entered a season of doing with God rather than just for him, which brought us back to the simple truth, a calling to love and follow our rabbi Jesus, which is what we're all being invited to walk in. Um, and where I feel like he's leading, um, we have, there have been a lot of words spoken over River City, one of which being that we're a hospital for church hurt. And... We kind of have been that. All of us in some way, shape, or form potentially came out of a situation where we were hurt or harmed by a previous church. 
And because of that, we've been very transient. And I feel like what the Lord is saying is that in this next season, that we are adding a rehab center and a next step, a next step center to train, to train the healed and lead others to healing. So now we're not only going to be a hospital, but through this process that God is building, it is going to be the thing that helps us all come to healing in order to be able to walk it out and help others find healing. So that's really cool. Um, I also felt like as I was praying through this, he said he's breaking shame barriers. And I feel like this one's important. So if you're nodding off right now, this is what you need to hear. He's breaking shame barriers that we are entering a season, a window of grace, no more hiding. Um, RCC is called to be a beacon of light, pouring out from a healthy place. In order to do that, we have to love ourselves well, which means we cannot let shame take root. Whatever the thing is that you're scared for anyone to know, it's not as big as you think it is. It's not as big as you think it is. And there are people in this room who actually need to hear you say it so that they're not scared to say theirs. Um, in order to love ourselves well, we have to do that. And in order to love our people well, we have to do the homework that Josh said is so funny. You're preaching, I'm like, he needs to give homework, he needs to give homework. And then he did. Um, but that homework, take it seriously because that is the first step of true connection. Um, and it leads to the transparency that I feel like God's calling us to. Um, and then that's how we, once we love ourselves well, we love our people well, and that's how we overflow in the, into the community. Um, last question was, how can RCC pray for you? Many of you know, 2020 was the worst year of my life from my husband's um, unfortunate unthinkable interaction with what we now call the injustice system, um, to the loss of our jobs through COVID um, and having to navigate a pandemic, and, um, and then the unfortunate loss of our son, which was, again, unthinkable. Um, so prayers that the good that God is doing through what the enemy intended for evil will continue. God is faithful. We, and I say this only for hope for you, that regardless of what we've been through, the, we lost our jobs. I have not been in my former work since January, no, March, no, February of 2020. And we have not received any unemployment and we have not received any PPP support. And I only say that because God has provided in ways we didn't think possible. So he is faithful. It just may not look like you think. So this is just a reminder that God is faithful. And he will do that thing that your heart desires. It's just a matter of trusting him. And being okay with it not looking like you think. Um, some of that good has come from um, understanding that there's something holy about slow. That during the pandemic, the slowing down of what God called us to created this thing in me where I could see the creative divine, as I've started calling it, that, is, that was birthed in me. The slowness of understanding that God is creating within me and that God is also creating within others. So whatever that thing is that you feel this nudge that God's calling you to do, or I'm not saying it's your call in your life, but it may be something, God may be calling you to write a book. He may be calling you to start a ministry. He may be calling you to do some coaching. God may be calling you, whatever it is, whatever that thing is God's calling you to do, 
there's grace and there's a blessing over it in this season to walk into it. And I'm walking away from what I have historically done of coaching leaders and organizations to coaching individuals to walk in that. And so prayers for my family to walk in faith and trust and truth to reign supreme and then just for my business to become what God is calling it to be. So that's it. Thanks. Leslie, we'll pray for you guys in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, Leslie Batchelor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So you were spot on when you walked in, Alita, in that, um, you know, what what was the word that you heard? My words in your head? Yep, yep, and I love what you were preaching today, and I pray that we really, really jump into that. Yeah. And I thank you for you know your the the prayers about the um, landlords and the negotiations with the landlords. Um, and I, I started with RCC from the beginning. I mean, the group that came out of Riverstone. Yes. And one question you didn't ask was how many people came out of the group from Riverstone that are still here. <laughs> Yeah, I figured it was just it was just a few of us. So, um, so I've been with River City since the beginning, um, and you know I was so excited to be able to have been a smaller church because I'd been at Mount Perrin first and then Riverstone and 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 so it was like an opportunity to you know to be in a smaller community and really have a, have appreciated that and enjoyed that. Um, and so much of the work that I've done and the influence I've had in, in River City is through the space that we're in right now. Um, I, we have seen miracles, absolute miracles, first in getting the space. I mean, I remember when we first walked in and Josh was like, this, I, I, just pre- I just saw service in here. And, um, and this was the, the space that the, the broker said, don't even go show it because they're not going to, you know, they're not going to lease to a church. And I'm like, we're going to go see it anyway. We're going to look at it anyway. And it was an absolute miracle that we are here. And then there was another miracle, getting the table space and restructuring the lease and now we're needing another miracle, right? And so you may be sorry that, I, that you gave me the mic. Um, but I fear that we are in danger of Joshua 7, of getting ahead of God, not seeking after him. And because I feel very alone in this right now, that, you know, that, that we're taking for granted that God's going to give us this miracle. And so it's real and it's raw. Um, I need, because I'm the one who is, is going to talk with the, with the brokers and the landlord, hopefully directly to the landlord, never even talk to the landlord. But I feel very alone in that right now. And I need your support. I need your prayers I need those things to know that I am supported and that God's going to usher this in. 
whatever he has planned. And I don't know, I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, that we're going to get this miracle that we're asking for. But I need that from you guys. And, you know, one of, the, one of the lies that I combat all the time is, and this is in the spirit of being vulnerable and transparent, um, is that my worth is what I can do for you. Okay? Not in who I am, but in what I can do for you. So please, please, please pray. I don't know, you know, do we need to march around the building? Do we need to, I don't know. I've, you know but... I need, you, I need your support in this because it will not happen just with Leslie doing it, okay? It's got to be all Israel seeking after the Lord and listening for the Lord and beseeching the Lord, all of our CC. All right. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Um, and then, well, that was my prayer for our, what y'all can pray for me for. Um, and... Um, and yeah, and just my vision for RCC, I'm, unlike Alita, I'm not a, much of a forward thinker. I'm an in-the-moment thinker, and process, and, and, um, um, and, and problem-solving. Um, so I don't have big dreams, but I just can see what God has done in RCC, that we are a hospital for the church those who have been hurt by the church. I love the idea of the rehab center. Um, and, and it's about us being real and vulnerable with each other, sharing our stories, just like Josh is saying. And one of the things that we've been, we have an intercessory prayer group on Tuesday mornings. If anyone cares to join, we would love to have you. Christina's part of that. Caitlin, who's not here, is part of that. And one of the things that we've heard recently is God wants to do so much. He wants to do so much here, but we're afraid to jump in the pool. We're afraid to jump in the pool. So let's jump. Let's jump. Thank you. Alice Rodriguez. Uh, so, Josh, you have to repeat the three questions for me. So, the first one, well, I've seen the Lord do at River City and our, in our River City, um, is that when we first started this out, um, for me personally, I fell into the trap that Sarah, that uh, Leslie falls in. People know me for who I am, for what I do, not who I am. So, I was on a mission that I wanted people to see my heart. Because that was what I wanted the, the wise counsel to communicate to the body and, and to the kingdom. And so there were many difficult decisions made during those times that I had to believe to make the right decision, even though it wasn't the popular decision, because everybody didn't have all the information. But we had to trust the Lord, and we sought the Lord in all those decisions that we made. But it was about seeing a group of people come together common vision, submitted to each other with true authenticity. You're going to hear that word again at the end. So that was really a hard time, but it was such a blessing to see us grow together. We fought <laughs> a lot, but it's because we were all going off to the same thing. And so that's been the biggest transition from the wise council to now.
that the, the foundation's been laid, and I pray for the wise counsel when they do it now because there's a great responsibility there. And with, with freedom comes responsibility, and that's the responsibility you have. So what was the second question? So what I'm doing for RCC is I heard two words and I was seeking this. Authenticity equals discipleship. And so when you have authenticity and you have discipleship, you have the Lord and everything. You'll see vulnerability. You'll see humbleness. You'll see humility. That it doesn't become, doesn't become about you. It becomes about him. And so I'm a little bit further down that list up there. Uh, but I'm not there yet. And God has shown me so much about my Heavenly Father and what he means to me when he loves me. And that I can bring that same love into a business world, into a church community, but I want him to see my Father's love in all that we do. What I want for him for me is I want to have authenticity and I want to have discipleship. Because I've, I've met with Josh and said, hey Josh, you know, I'm, I'm moving to the next phase of my life. You know, Bob Buford wrote a book about halftime. And halftime is about the second half of your life is about significance. And I want my life to be significant for God, not for what the world says that I have, because I have nothing. He owns it all. And he, belong, he has total control. And I hope that my life at this stage, for my grandkids, my family, and all my church family, that that um, my life would reflect the love of the Father, who you can trust, even when it gets hard. And at 61, I'm still learning that. So it is a marathon. But guys, we win the race. We win. How you run that race is really important. So thank you for allowing me to serve you. I'm grateful for Josh and you all letting me do this. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, could you just come back up real quick? Sorry to do that to you. Leslie, yes, Alita. Thanks for being vulnerable. Um, so we're just going to pray over them. It's still COVID uh, conscious, kindness required, but we would like to pray for these guys. And so if you would like to reach your hands toward, um, we want to we ask God to really bless them. Yeah. So... So I hear a cry from all of them, Father, the same cry in my heart, to be known and to be supported and to step deeper into your life. And so we present to you Alex, Leslie, and Alita, Alita, and we say thank you so much for the sacrifices that they've made, for the many meetings, for all that they've given, God. We pray that now is not a time to... I pray that this next season for them is the time they felt most apart and alive, that it wouldn't be that their work is in the past, but that they're present and they're being filled and that you are seeing them and that you are using them, but you are filling them so full. Pray that this is the fullest season of their life, God, that you would go before them, that you would show us how to love and honor them well. And today as we celebrate them and just share, have, have everybody share truly their heart. Have people step up to help with all the needs requested, especially Leslie's need for the space and prayer. She's not meant to carry this alone. 
Help the body to step in with the staff, with wise counsel, and continue. Unlock things we don't even know it's there, God, and help us to dream as big as possible, to lean into you. And I thank you for the wisdom that you've given them. I thank you for the gift that they've been to us. I thank you for the future we get to go in with them. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand with me, we'll close with doxology, and then we'll head out to to have um, reception. I thought you you guys were going to lead it. They didn't get it. It's okay. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. God from whom all blessings flow, praise Him all creatures first actually prepare the way Shannon to the middle area stop grab a bite write a note love a neck love you guys so much talk to you soon thank you again for joining us today and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com